And these are the Money Minutes. Today, the federal budget, its hopes, ambitions and risks. We break down the budget for you, the good, the bad and the billions. In 2020, Australians have been tested like never before. Flood, fires, drought and a global pandemic. So many Australians, through no fault of their own, are doing it tough. Lives have been lost. Businesses have closed. Jobs have gone. Our cherished way of life has been put on hold. Great to have your company here on the Money Minutes, and that was Treasurer Josh Frydenberg's opening to the biggest spending budget in Australia's history. Or, put it another way, the Morrison government has embarked on the biggest bet in Australia's history. That bet, right now, is worth $507 billion and still counting. And the return from that bet, well, that's a little uncertain. But it seems to be that they can get you, your kids and your employer back to work. Now, to put this in perspective, for those of you who might have a $10 or even $100 each way punt on the Melbourne Cup each year, the government is betting around $20,000 per man, woman and child in Australia that the economy won't stall back into recession in the foreseeable future, that business owners will rapidly take on risk and willingly invest their own capital to employ people and to build assets, and that your job will generate strong income and therefore strong taxes to help repay some of this debt the government's taking on. Now, the Treasurer laid out the way he sees the economy and this bet playing out in his budget speech tonight. Our economic and fiscal strategy sets out the path to grow our economy, to stabilise the debt and to reduce it over time. It has two phases. First, it focuses on boosting consumer and business confidence, growing the economy and creating jobs. And once the recovery has taken hold and the unemployment rate is on a clear path back to pre-crisis levels, comfortably below 6%, we will move to the second phase where there is a deliberate shift from providing temporary and targeted support to stabilising gross and net debt as a share of the economy. We will then rebuild our fiscal buffers so that we can be prepared for the next economic shock. So here's the Treasurer's logic, the government's logic, on how the plan will work. First, it will continue to provide support to those companies and their workers who have lost business or jobs because of coronavirus. That's from JobKeeper and to a lesser extent JobSeeker, where a $250 supplement will be phased out by year's end. JobKeeper 2 eventually does go. But the government creates another jobs acronym, JobMaker, where a business that employs an unemployed person aged 16 to 35 will have part of those wages directly subsidised for 12 months by the government. Now, as the Treasurer points out, the government feels this could help around 450,000 people into jobs and off direct taxpayer assistance. But make no bounds about this, though. It is a punt. The punt is that a person running a business thinks in this low interest rate environment, enough incentive is there to employ that young person and to invest more into their business, that they can get a return from that investment. Exotic, kissing on the beach alone, cause we bought it. Talking gazillions, 
Right now, business, though, is scared. It's keeping its money in the drawer, and that can be seen by the record amounts of cash sloshing around our banking system right now. Have a listen to this. The Morrison government's message to all Australians is that we have your back. And we have a plan to rebuild our economy and create more jobs. Our job maker hiring credit will support nearly half a million young Australians into work. Our record investment in skills and training will strengthen Australia's workforce. Our manufacturing's plan will support the recovery and build our sovereign capability. Tax incentives will unleash a wave of investment across the country. And tax cuts will put more money into the pockets of 11 million hard-working Australians and their families. And we are building the infrastructure we need for the future. So this business was really about a rallying cry to business. Government can't ever, ever carry the employment burden of this nation. So the Treasurer announced a range of business-friendly incentives, the biggest of which is the investment allowance. Now, this is massive in anyone's language. From tonight until June 2022, 18 months away, the government will allow any business with a turnover up to $5 billion a year to instantly write off against their taxable income the value of any asset bought for that business. Now, just to give you a hint of how big this is, the Treasurer says it'll cover 99% of companies. Those that miss out include some of the big resource companies, the banks, the big supermarket groups, but just about every other company. From a list of the top 100 companies on the ASX, among those likely to qualify that I've spotted, Centre Group, in other words, Westfield, Mervac, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, Sydney Airport, Transurban and Santos, Of the biggest private companies, there's Linfox, there's Meriton, and the accounting firms Deloitte and PwC. Now, this is all because the Treasurer knows his history. He says that the next phase of rebuilding Australia's economy is to avoid the lessons from the 1991 recession where, according to Treasury, it took seven years for the unemployment rate to drop back below 7% after peaking above 11%. This time, unemployment is expected to peak at 9% later this year. But because government's forecasting in this budget that its measures will work, unemployment's forecast to fall back to five and three quarter percent by June 2024, less than four years' time. That means more taxpayers paying back tax to the government and fewer people on government welfare. And that's one of the big calls in this year's budget. One of the other big calls in the government's half trillion dollar punt, Will the world economy rebound in the way the government expects? Will it all be smooth sailing? Will the jobs be created in the way in which it expects? But as Deloitte's economist Chris Richardson said on ABC's 7.30 program tonight, it's about the only thing the government can really do. And because interest rates are so close to zero, it's got a greater capacity to take on debt to support jobs, to build infrastructure especially, than ever before. Um, there was no alternative. Uh, absolutely the right thing to do. And you're absolutely right. The thing that people will talk about most, the sexiest single number uh, in this budget is that net debt up by half a trillion dollars. And you'll hear it over and over and again. And to an economist, it's not the debt that matters. It's the cost of the debt. And way, way, way buried deep uh, in the budget papers, it says that the cost of debt, the interest we'll be paying on this massively higher debt, all uh, in in the next few years, will be less than 
we were paying in 2018-19. And I think people don't realise that. Debt is up lots, but interest rates, you know, what we pay on the debt, is um, massively down. And we get that not just on the new debt, cheap as chips, but the old debt gradually rolls over. And, and it is a thing that I think people don't realise. The cost of this defence of our lives and livelihoods is a lot lower than people think. So that's Chris Richardson. But the government says a recession will be gone by this time next year. You can see that happening. It sort of says economic growth will be 4.5% next year. And that's well ahead of the long-term average of around about 3%. And that's mainly because the government itself is pumping so many billions of dollars directly into workers' pockets and their bosses' pockets. But the biggest punt in this budget, in this whole economic plan, is the presumption that we will have a coronavirus vaccine by the middle of next year and that Australians will be first in line to receive that tonic. A tonic for us, a tonic for the economy, if you like. Here's a treasurer again, speaking with 730's Lee Sales. We have made a set of assumptions uh, based on the evidence available to us. As you know, uh, the, the states are working with the Prime Minister to lift borders by the end of the year. We've said that Western Australia's border won't open till April. And as for a COVID vaccine, we're doing everything possible, both with our, with our uh, researchers here in Australia, but linking into, into the global supply chain to ensure that Australians have access to it it's next a, year. It's a fair conclusion, though, isn't it, looking at what Treasury says in these budget papers, that your path to recovery is um, best case scenario and could easily be derailed. Well, actually, the, the Treasury papers outline a couple of other scenarios that may be even better cases. Uh, so in the event that uh, we get a, a access to, to the vaccine uh, earlier than, than is uh, laid out in the budget papers, will lead to a $34 billion boost to the economy. So there is a great deal of uncertainty. Indeed, Treasury and the government even lay out the risk of the vaccine not happening in a timely manner in the budget papers. As the Treasurer says, if there's an early vaccine and the world gets back to normal, a $34 billion boost to the economy. That earlier rollout would be from July 1 next year. And says this scenario also presumes an earlier return of international students in larger numbers from July 1 next year. That is, of course, if China lets a lot of those international students come to Australia. But then Treasury also gives a downside scenario where not only is there no vaccine, but we re-enter rolling lockdowns because of COVID outbreaks around the country, just like Victoria's having, impacting 25% of the national economy from January 1 next year for the following 18 months. Now, Treasury says under this scenario, the economy would be $55 billion worse off compared with its forecasts. But when it comes to this multi-billion dollar guessing game of when do we get a vaccine, I always err on the extremely cautious side, mainly because I'm always reminded of one of my favourite but sobering quotes of 2020 from Ken Frazier, CEO of the pharmaceuticals giant Merck. And Merck, remember, has bought four of just seven vaccines successfully into the world in the past 40 years. Here's what he had to say. Well, first of all, it takes a lot of time I think the record for the fastest vaccine ever brought to market was Merck in the mumps vaccine. It took about four years. Our most recent vaccine for Ebola took five and a half years. And why does it take so long? First of all, it requires a rigorous scientific assessment. And here we didn't even understand the virus itself or how the virus affects the immune system. So we're starting there. Um, we're starting with a spike protein as the antigen. And what we're hoping to be able to do with these different approaches 
is to create a vaccine that we can study quickly, uh, that can be both safe and effective and can be durable. Those are three different issues. And so no one knows for sure whether or not any of these vaccine programs will produce a vaccine like that. Uh, and what worries me the most is that the public is so hungry, is so desperate to go back to normalcy that they're pushing us to move things faster and faster. But ultimately, if you're going to use a vaccine in billions of people, you better know what that vaccine does. But where are we right now? And it seems the government has very few choices to make. The real dangers are not in the next 12 months. Indeed, with record low interest rates, lenders offering home loans with a one in front of them, and government support raining down upon families and business, you can almost expect a degree of confidence in both the housing and the stock markets. But as I've told you for a long time, and it seems the Treasurer has certainly been listening and learning from trends of previous recessions, the 1987 share market crash that people presumed would trigger the next global depression did not cause a recession here in Australia for four years, 1991, after the support of the day, in other words, low interest rates were eventually reversed by the Reserve Bank. Today, what's different is the Reserve Bank can print money to keep lending flowing, but it's a government now doing the heavy lifting to support the economy because interest rates are already close to zero. And that's why this line from the Treasurer's speech tonight made me sit up and listen just a little bit. Our economic and fiscal strategy sets out the path to grow our economy, to stabilise the debt and to reduce it over time. It has two phases. First, it focuses on boosting consumer and business confidence, growing the economy and creating jobs. And once the recovery has taken hold and the unemployment rate is on a clear path back to pre-crisis levels, comfortably below 6%, we will move to the second phase where there is a deliberate shift from providing temporary and targeted support to stabilising gross and net debt as a share of the economy. We will then rebuild our fiscal buffers so that we can be prepared for the next economic shock. The Treasurer already seems to be looking forward to the day when the government stimulus is withdrawn so they can get back to repairing the balance sheet. That's what he's saying there. But when that happens... To my mind, they are the real danger days for the Australian economy because if the timing of that decision is misjudged, that's when the real recession would start, when the real hurt would occur and when the government's financial system could genuinely start to deteriorate. That's why you've got to keep watching. Now, that's my fairly quick summary of the budget. I'll get into more detail in the coming days and weeks, no doubt. But in the meantime, thanks for your company. This has been a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Alone. You know we bought it. Talking